Welcome. You are listening to sermon audio from Day 3 Church in Granite Falls, North Carolina. We invite you to join us online or in person for one of our services. For more information about our church, please visit day3church.org. Day 3 Church, experience a new day in your life. John, our worship pastor, and I were talking after the uh, at the first service, and uh, he he made a uh, I guess an, a, an analysis that I think is probably true that it, it may be hard for all of you, uh, except maybe some that were really close to, to Josh, to to sense uh, what it kind of does to us as pastors. Um, John didn't know Josh very well. And, and on the other hand, I'd had the chance to be in a small group with him. And like I said, we had things in common and, uh, and everything. So I did. But even though John didn't know him very well, because he's in a position of being a pastor, it, 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 there, he didn't sleep a lot last night, you know. And it may be hard for you to understand that connection. Uh I was his pastor, but I, I view it as as though he were my friend and I was his friend. And, and, bef- and, and let me let me stop and and, and say because you you may not understand this fully, but that's the way I view the rest of you, also. And that's the way we should view each other. And I think maybe the message today can solidify that in some ways. I've had the occasion of, over my life to be have my heart impacted by lists of names for various reasons. Uh, having been former law enforcement, I, I keep up with the, the officer down list uh, where law enforcement officers have been killed in the line of duty. And they, they keep a list on that, and that impacts me as I see it. I've seen lists, and you've heard lists of names over the news when 9-11 happened, or the recent tornadoes or other tragedies that happened, and, and you hear a list of names. I've got a list in my own mind and heart because of people that I've pastored over the years that I've lost. But lists like that can can, can move you powerfully in, in, in ways. I, I had the chance one time to walk up to a long, black, shiny rock wall in Washington, D.C., And I was kind of expected that I would be moved when I was there at the Vietnam Memorial. But as I walked up to it and I, and I stood there, it was like it was like a holy place. And I viewed people leaving notes and flowers and putting paper and scribbling over the name to where they could have a keepsake of a family member or a friend or a loved one to take home with them. <clears throat> Paul, more or less, here near the end of this 
big doctrinal book that he's written. There was originally a letter to believers in Rome. He, he starts to close the, this letter out with a list of names. And when you kind of think about this list of names in light of all the deep stuff in, in Romans, you might can come to these 16 verses we're going to kind of overview today. And, and you might almost think, well, you know, what is Paul doing? It's almost like it could be boring. But I found as I've studied these 16 verses and looked at these names, it's not boring at all. In fact, I, I wish I could know more about every name that's listed. One day I will because I get to ask and get to meet these people. But I just, I just wish that I, that I knew more now. That I could just tell you absolutely for sure about these names that we're going to see on this list. And some we know some things about for sure, and some it's some things that we pretty much know, but not absolutely. Some we don't know a lot about. But in, in these verses, you're going to see Paul use the word greet over and over and over again. And he's given a list of, of servants, and we need to do that. We need to greet each other. We need to be appreciative of, of other people who are serving Christ and, and greet each other, but we also need to, to be servants ourselves. And I, and I think this list, if it says anything to us, ought, ought to tell us that this list of names that he has should motivate us to be servants ourselves. There's a lot of great truths. Man, he, he tells us that we're sinners that can't save ourselves. He, he tells us that we're saved by grace. He tells us that, that, that God, when we believe in Jesus, puts us in his family and, and that God's a sovereign God and will never break his promises. And in light of all those things, we ought to be servants. And they start to close the letter out with this list. Let's look at it together. I commend to you our sister Phoebe a servant of the church at Caesarea, that you may welcome her in the Lord in a way worthy of saints and help her in whatever she may need from you. I'm not sorry, guys. I can't read that today without thinking of April right now. Because April needs our help and our love and our in our ministry. For, for she's been a patron of many and, and of myself as well. The translation I'm reading says Prisca. A lot of translations say Priscilla, but it says greet Prisca, Priscilla, and, and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus, who risk their necks for my life to whom not only I give thanks, but also all the churches of the Gentiles give thanks as well. Greet also the church in their house. Greet my beloved Epinetus, who is the first convert to Christ in Asia. Greet Mary, who has worked hard for you. Greet Aaronicus, and Junia, my kinsmen and my fellow prisoners, they are well known to the apostles, and they were 
in Christ. Or in other words, they believed in Jesus before Paul had. Greet Ampelatus, my beloved in the Lord. Greet Urbanus, our fellow worker in Christ, and my beloved Stachus. Greet Apelles, who is approved in Christ. Greet those who belong to the family of Aristobulus. Greet my kinsman Herodian. Greet those in the Lord who belong to the family of Narcissus. Greet the workers in the Lord, Tithene and Trifosus. Greet the beloved Persis, who also worked hard in the Lord. Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, and also his mother, who's been a mother to me as well. Read Ascrontitus, and Philagon, and Hermes, and Petrobus, and Hermas, and the brothers who are with them. Read Philologus, and Julia, and Nerus, and his sister, and Olympus, and all the saints who are with them. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the churches of Christ greet you. I want you to notice three things today. First of all, a roll call. A roll call of Christian servants is what Paul gives us. And as he gives us roll call of Christian servants, in, in this list of, of believers, there are people who are Jewish and people who are Gentile. There are people who are Romans and people who are Greeks. There are people who are rich and people who are poor. There, there, there were people of all kinds of different backgrounds. There were men and women. And today we don't think a lot about that, but he lists nine women. And in that day and time, that was huge when you, if you know anything about the culture of that day. He lists prisoners and slaves and prominent citizens. And I think maybe that gives us a, a picture of this. The, the church then in, in Rome and the church as it should be today should cross cultural lines. It should cross beyond race. It should cross beyond economic status or intellect or whatever category you, you want to bring up. The, the church ought to include people from all backgrounds who come to faith in Jesus. All I'm going to do as we look at this role of servants is just kind of cover some maybe categories or, or highlights. And I've already told you it's, it's really a different message, you know, for me. And I knew that to start with, but I, but I think God had it planned. As he gives us roll call, he talks about someone that was a patron or supporter. He's talking about Phoebe. And most theologians believe she's the one that carried the letter to the church in Rome that became the book of Romans. And she had been someone that was a patron, and, and the word literally means a supporter of, of Paul and others. And you see, that needs to be part of the church because we need to be patrons of each other. And we need to be patrons of the church. And we need to support each other. And we need to support the ministry of the church in any way that we can, the ministry of Christ. He referred to people who he called fellow workers and hard workers and just workers. And we need that in the church. There were people in the list that more or less, he said, were his protectors. 
We, we don't know the background, what happened, or anything like that, because it's not revealed to us in the Bible or history. But he says Priscilla and Aquila risked their necks, and literally he's meaning they, they risked their lives to, to, to save Paul in some way. In the list, there are people who were evangelists and teachers and, and church planners because also that's part of what Priscilla and Aquila did. They were traveling around as tent makers and they were discipling people and, and teaching people the gospel. Matter of fact, there's this guy by the name of Apollos that evidently was a pretty powerful preacher in that day and time that they had discipled and helped him understand the Bible better and the gospel better. He said also, you know, the, the church in, in their house. So they had been discipling people, had a church within their own home. And we as the church today, we need to disciple people and teach people. New converts. He, he mentions the, the man that was the first convert to Christ in Asia. I hope you understand this. The church needs new converts. We need to be open to new people. Heaven's not full yet. Neither is our church. And we need to do what we can to reach a lost and dying world and, and to have new converts. He talked about some who were fellow prisoners. They had actually been in prison with Paul for the gospel's sake. Some who were business people, Priscilla and Aquila, tent makers, he uses a, a, a name that was really prevalent within the imperial household in Rome. So there were members of the very imperial household, Caesar's own household, even though Caesar was trying to kind of stamp out the gospel. There are people there who had been reached by the gospel and had believed in Jesus. Paul even tells about it as he's writing from Rome to the believers in Philippi and he said all the saints send you greetings especially those who belong to Caesar's household man I love that you put Paul in prison you know what he does he wins people to Jesus he referred to some as as beloved there were mature believers there because there were those who had been in Christ longer than Paul we need to think of each other as being loved and love each other. And, and the church is made up of various age groups and, and various spiritual levels and people who are more mature than us sometimes. He, he said, Apelles, who is approved in Christ. And if you're a Christian this morning, that same thing is true of you. Because you have faith in Jesus Christ, you are approved in Christ right now. Approved by God. He said family members or kinsmen. He's really more than likely saying they were Jewish, maybe even of the tribe of Benjamin that Paul was from. There were brothers that he lists. There were sisters that he lists. He referred to saints all the saints that were with them. And many times we might not feel like we're, we're saintly. And I think sometimes we shy away from words like that. But the word saint simply means this. When you receive Christ as your Savior, God separated you to himself. And you're now holy as far as he's concerned. So if you know Christ as your Savior, you're a saint. Oh, we're not perfect. 
Josh wasn't perfect either, but guess what? He was a saint. You know why? Because he believed in Jesus. There were wealthy and poor. Matter of fact, when he refers to greeting those that belong to the family of Narcissus, Narcissus, historians believe, was a personal secretary for Claudius, one of the Roman emperors. And then in, in 54 A.D., Nero had him put to death. We don't know if he was a believer, but we know at least someone in his family was a believer. He was a person that was very wealthy, and then he was put to death. And in that day and time, if that happened, all that you owned, your family, your slaves, and all your possessions became part of the empire. So his family lost everything. They'd been rich, but they were also poor. There's, there's no place in the church for people to feel like I am better than someone else. I am richer than someone else. I have more than someone else. And, and look down on anyone that has less because all any of us really have is Jesus. And, and we're all level at the foot of the cross. And I thank God that, that we can come in and sit together and no one worry about the economic status of anyone else. Probably a brother of Herod Agrippa I. Because the name of Aristobulus is, belongs to, the, to that family. They think that he was a brother of Herod Agrippa. I love that, don't you? <laughs> the brother of Herod got saved. Likely the wife and son of Simon who carried the cross. Do you remember that story? Simon and his two sons were headed to Jerusalem to worship. Alexander and Rufus. They were going there to worship. They weren't planning on attending a crucifixion scene. But when they get in Jerusalem, that's exactly what happens. And their father, Simon, is forced to carry the cross for Jesus. In Mark chapter 15 and verse 21, Mark writes and alludes to Alexander and Rufus as the children of Simon who carried the cross for Jesus in a way that sounds like all the believers would know who they were and they were leaders within the church. So most theologians, while I, you know, don't go off and start your own denomination on this, but most theologians believe that the Rufus that is mentioned here is the son of Simon who carried the cross for Jesus. And man, that blessed me as I studied that this week. Can you imagine me in that little boy seeing his dad carry the cross for Jesus and be there and see that scene. And then he grows up to be a leader in the church. Maybe the message for us is this. You see, the Bible tells us as believers, we have a cross to carry. Would to God that all of us would carry the cross of Jesus in a way that would lead our children to grow up and be leaders. Amen. Amen. It's just a roll call. But it's a roll call that ought to ought to speak to us. It ought to encourage us. It's a roll call that, that gives us a picture of, of what the church was like then, but a picture of what the church still should be like. People of different backgrounds. But he doesn't only give us a, a, a roll call list. He, he also tells us some things that we ought to do that require a response from us. So there's some responses of Christian servants. 
Paul does this one himself. Paul says this. He uses the word commend. He said, I, I commend to you our sister Phoebe. The, the word means that he is he's setting her together with the believers in Rome. He's sending her there with this letter that we now call Romans. And he's more or less telling them, I, I'm sending her to you. I want to set y'all together. Phoebe and, and you believers in Rome. I, I'm introducing her to you. And, and I want you to stand near to her. I'm approving her. It's built on two root words in the Greek that mean to, to have union and, and to stand. So he's talking about standing together with someone or setting someone together. But Paul knew the ministry of Phoebe because she had ministered to him and been a patron to him. And he understood the believers in Rome could benefit from her ministry. And she could benefit from their ministry. And more or less, he's sending her there with this thought. I, I'm, I'm placing you together. And the lesson that, that we can learn from that in a practical way in the church still yet today is simply this. We, we need to set people together. We need to understand when, when maybe someone can bless somebody else. When someone has been through a situation and we know they can help this other person. And we as the, as the church and, and us as leaders and everything try to set you together in a way that you can minister to each other and care for each other. Most of you that, that, that have been coming here a while, you, you know that as a child, as a 10-year-old child, my dad was murdered and I lost my dad. Last night at the hospital, there's an 8-year-old boy by the name of Caleb that just lost his dad. I've been there. I, I feel like God is kind of setting me together with him because I've been there. But in, but in other ways, some of you have been through things. And when we know you've been through something, I mean, I'm not trying to point people out above another today. Please don't take it like that. But if, you know, you know what, if, if someone finds out they've got, got cancer, I kind of feel like maybe I know some people I can send them to to talk to, you know? And others of you that have had cancer and been through that, to put you together with that person. Or someone that's struggling financially, or whatever the situation is, I'm just saying we need to we need to recognize that God's equipped us and He's put us through things. And, and Paul is saying, "Look, you Phoebe and you guys need to need to get together." So I'm I'm putting you together, and we need to do that as a church. He also used this word. Next screen. He said, "Welcome." He said that you may welcome her. In the Lord in a way worthy of saints. That you may admit her. Here's a radical idea for a church. We ought to admit people from the outside. I'm not joking about that, guys. Because some churches are happy with their few. And, and they want to be just like that. And they don't want anybody else. And they don't want the, the apple cart turned over any at all or anything like that. They're just comfortable where they are. I'm telling you what. We better, if we're going to be a church, be open to admit other people. Those people in Rome didn't know Phoebe. And he said, I want you to admit her. I want you to make her feel welcome. I want you to practice hospitality. He said, I want you to give credence to who she is. I want you even to wait upon her with confidence and patience and do it in a way that's worthy of or becomes a godly sword. Do it in a way that's worthy of the saints. 
He's telling the believers in Rome, you need to welcome her in a way that's worthy of you being a child of God yourself. And you need to welcome her in a way that's worthy of her being a child of God herself. And that's the way we should welcome other people. You and I are the representatives of Jesus Christ. We ought to welcome people as people who have been saved by grace, trying to reach other people who need to be saved by grace. We need to welcome others. We need to respond to other believers and welcome them in a way that's worthy of who they are in Christ. The fact that they themselves are saints. Did you notice today, after the second song, we broke the cardinal rule at church. We changed things on you. Did you notice that? Did you notice we didn't let you go and shake hands? Did you notice we didn't have a greeting time or a fellowship time? You want to know why? Because we're going to do it right now. And I had already planned this before I knew anything about Josh, before I knew anything about how our hearts would be hurting today. God had already told me, no, save that for this point of the message because Paul's telling us we need to welcome each other like that. But today it's got a whole new meaning to it for me in light of what we are going through, in light of the loss that our church has experienced. We need each other. April and her family, they need us. We need to love on each other. We need to welcome each other. We need to greet each other in a way that's worthy of saints. So stand up, and until I tell you to come back to your seat, you greet each other and love each other. Okay, let me let, let me call you back from that. I hate to, but let me call you back from that because I'm not finished and you probably want to have lunch in a little while. He used the word hospitality there. We've you know, sometimes people have a special gift of hospitality. I, I know some people here, I'll not call their names, but some open their homes for small groups and things like that or activities, and we've got several families that are willing to do that and and, and that's being hospitable. That's the way we ought to welcome each other. I hope as you did that right then. I'm afraid sometimes we let it become old hat. Because, you know, like every week, we do a couple of songs, and then we ask you to shake hands, you know, with people around you, and you kind of just go through the motions. It shouldn't be going through the motions. Because we literally need that from each other. We need to welcome each other like that and love each other like that. He also used the word help. He, he said, and help her, talking about Phoebe, and whatever she may need from you. The, the word just means to stand beside of her and, and offer a hand, do whatever is needed. 
and how we need to do that with each other. I, I, I got all got emotional earlier when I was reading it, but I could not help today and read that and not think of April and the loss that she's had. She needs us to stand beside her and help her. And, you know, she's not the only one. David and Deborah Hall have been going through a lot with the health of her parents and things like that. And others are going through things that maybe I can't even think of right now. But we, we need to stand beside each other and we need to help each other in that way. To, to be willing to stand right there with a person going through whatever they're going through. To be beside them to where we can reach out and, and help them and offer them uh, a hand in the moment of need. Then he used the word greet. Did you happen to notice that when I read the text? I mean, he only said it like 18 times, okay? So, so I think maybe, maybe, maybe the Holy Spirit of God said, Paul, really be sure they get this one? Because he used the word 18 times in 16 verses. Means to unfold in the arms, to, to salute, to welcome, to embrace, to draw someone to yourself. We need to help and we need to love and we need to embrace and we need to commend others. I've got so much going through my mind. I, you know, I missed something earlier that I'm going to come back to just for a minute because I, I can't let it go. But when, when he said Phoebe and he was setting them together and commending them together, can, can, I, can I commend some things to you this morning really quickly before we go on? Can I commend to you a, a ministry called UTH? They've been several times down to Guatemala and they do other things also, but can I commend that to you? Some of you are aware of this, some of you may not, but Brad and Brandy UTH Ministries is something that God led them uh, to create. They bought his motorsports uh, recently. I like the name of that, his motorsports, and I think they bought it with the idea of it being his motorsports and using it also for ministry to people. Can I commend them to you? And by me saying, can I commend them to you? Remember what Paul was doing? He was saying, I, I want to put you together with somebody. So can I commend to you, UTH Ministry, and can we put ourselves together with them? And can we build a church in Guatemala in July? Can, can I commend to you Macedonian missions in South Africa? And our team that just returned from there and, and, and the work that goes on there, can I commend that to you, that you pray for them and that you support them? Can I commend to you the cooperative program we're through in our church budget? We support missionaries both at home and abroad across this world. Can I commend that to you and ask you to be faithful in your giving that we can support those, those missions? Can I commend to you Terry, who I embarrassed earlier, made her stand up. Can I ask you to be put together with her? Can I ask you to actually come here to a concert on the 15th and also to buy food uh, while you're here and let's do what we can to send her to Africa for a year? Can I commend her to you? 
Can I commend our children's ministry to you and ask you to stand together with our children's ministry and do what needs to be done to help our children's ministry reach more children and be more effective? Can I commend to you Ken Knight and our student ministry and ask you to stand with them and help them to be able to reach more young people? Can I commend to you our worship pastor and their worship ministry and ask you to serve with them? Can I commend to you our small groups and our small group leaders and ask you to actually be joined together with them? And the next time we start small groups in September that we have like uh, about a hundred percent participation in the church can I commend that to you see I've seen the difference that can make I saw the difference that it made in Josh's life he was coming to church but on the other side of being a part of a small group for a while he was different wasn't he Lynn I've seen it make a difference in other people's lives when there's been a tragedy, a loss, a death. So can I commend that to you and ask you to participate? Can I commend to you that we welcome each other, that we help each other, that we greet each other? You want to know what my notes say from a few days ago? My notes say... Since we've just done the welcome, my notes say no, you know, we're not going to get up and hug each other. That's what my notes said a few days ago. God changed that this morning. Because I want you to get right back up. Because I think we need some hugs today in light of the loss we've had. I want you to get back up and take a moment and hug a few people, and I'll call you back in just a second. To be in the church, guys. It's been the church. Okay, let's get back at it. Y'all getting too sloppy? Get, we're going to get too mushy here in a moment. Did, did you notice that he said to greet each other and to greet each other with a holy kiss? I failed to tell you that, so do we need to do it again? I, I, it did say a holy kiss. A holy a different kind of kiss. One thing, one thing that I've noticed in, in me reading over the years some biographies of effective Christian leaders was this, that God seems like He uses people who have the ability to make friends and to care for people. And you see, we, we do need to group together. We're, we're referred to in the Bible as sheep, and sheep do what? They flock together, and that's the way we ought to be as believers. But He also told us we need to give thanks. That's a response that we need to have as, as Christians. He uses that phrase twice. You and I need to be grateful. We need to express gratitude for other people. I'm, I'm thankful this morning 
that I had a grandmother when I was a little boy growing up. And I might have been off to the side playing, and she might not have thought I was paying a lot of attention. But as I was playing outside, sometimes she'd pick her Bible up, and she'd start reading from the Psalms. And I remember that still. I'm thankful that I had a pastor that led me to the Lord when I was 10 years old, and that he was there for me when my dad died. I'm thankful for five churches that, that I've had the privilege to pastor and the people that were there. And, and I'm thankful for other pastors and deacons and people like that that have been a blessing to me. And I'm thankful for you, but most of all, I'm thankful for Jesus. We, we need to have that response in our heart as believers to where we, we give thanks. Last thing I'm going to do is just read over a list, guys, really. Uh, I, I told you it's a little bit different today. But uh, I think it's exactly what God wanted. Because if you didn't need it, I needed it. I needed to see you people hug each other. I needed some hugs from you. I needed it this morning. And God's an amazing God. And I had no idea we'd be facing what we're facing today. But He did. Last thing I want you to see is that I think we can find some reasons why we ought to serve Christ by looking at that list that He's given us, the roll call. And I'm just going to read through them. This list of names should compel us to be a church made up of servants of Christ from all types of backgrounds. This list that Paul gives us should call us to be hard workers and fellow workers for Christ like many of those were that he alluded to. The the list that Paul gives us here at the end of this very important book called Romans should inspire us to be patrons and supporters of ministry. We, we need to support each other, but we need to support the ministry that God's called us to. We need to support the ministry of this church, the ministry of the gospel. Not just with our, our money, but yes, with our money, but also with our time and our talents and our, and our abilities. We need to be patrons of the ministry that God's called us to. This list should cause us to do a better job discipling and teaching others. The list of names that Paul gives us should drive us to reach into the very halls of government with the gospel. That's what Paul had done. That's what he alluded to. And a lot of times, especially in this day and time, I think we're, we're guilty as, as even Christians many times just to want to scream at the darkness or be negative about government and everything else. Here's what we need to do about it. We change the government one life at a time by invading the halls of government with the gospel of Jesus. This list of names should motivate us to carry the cross in a way that inspires our children to grow up like Rufus and follow Jesus and be a leader in the church. This list of names should give us the confidence to risk our necks like Priscilla and Aquila did our lives and all that we have and all that we are for the sake of the gospel. That list that he gives us should motivate us to those things. We need to greet each other. We need to greet servants. But we need to be motivated by this list, and we need to understand that God is calling us to be, to be servants also. We need to give thanks for, for people who are devoted servants of Christ, but don't be happy just because somebody else is serving Jesus and thank God for them. You need to be serving Jesus yourself. This list ought to call us to do exactly that. And the most important thing that ought to motivate us is simply this. Just take a look at the cross of Jesus. 
And that ought to motivate us to serve Christ better. Let's pray. Father, God, I want to thank You that You've always been a faithful Father. That You've never disappointed me or let me down. God, I pray that You help us as men here. Father's Day is just around the corner. God, help us as men to be the fathers that we need to be. Not ever knowing the window of opportunity that we might have. And how that can come to a close. God, help us to be the best servants we can be for you. Because we, we never know how short our time might be here upon this earth. So God, help us to be faithfully serving you with whatever time you give us. Father, if there's someone in this place this morning that does not know Christ as Savior... God, I, I ask you to give them a wake-up call by, by Josh's death, sudden death, to help them see that they, they don't have a guarantee or a promise of any additional time other than right now in this life. And Father, if there's someone here that does not know you, that does not know your Son as their Savior, speak to their heart right now and call them to yourself. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this sermon audio production from Day 3 Church. We pray that it has ministered to you. For more information about our location, service times, or other sermon podcasts, please visit us online at day3church.org. Day 3 Church. Experience a new day in your life.